Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Both of them sketchy and sometimes slow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Ah! Miguel Sano, deep to left, and we are tied! Oh, he did! One, two, back up the middle, that'll do it. Ryan Lamar's third hit of the night wins the ball game for the Twins in the 16th inning. And ends a marathon that has taken us from Wednesday into Thursday. Dare I say, at the risk of overreacting to one of 162, but that was kind of a big boy win for the Twins yesterday, last night, slash this morning, uh, Eastern time, Mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. You're facing one of the best teams in baseball. You're coming off not playing for like five days, and boom, back-to-back Kluber and Carrasco, who both shut you down. But Barrios... We thought maybe there's there's like one of two things that could happen. He could either get too amped up in a start in Puerto Rico and go three innings and give up six runs, and it was the opposite. In fact, if they had lost the game, I think the talker today would be, why would Paul Molitor take him out of the game after seven innings, 84 relatively stress-free pitches? Uh, but to, to hang in there like that, to come back down one to nothing after the Encarnacion home run, uh, I, I mean, it's you know it's one of one sixty two. I don't mean to. I don't want to put too much value. I want to break it, it down but, game by game. But it was definitely a big boy win that the Twins don't pull off in many previous years. Would you agree with that? Yes, and the Barrios start to me was absolutely huge because it would have been so easy for him to come out and and try and be absolutely perfect and struggle. And I half expected that. And the fact that he came out. And not only did he not struggle, but he was absolutely brilliant in front of his home crowd and family. To me, this is all the evolution of the steps he's taking to become a Cy Young candidate and an absolute ace in baseball. Yeah, I mean, an he's... absolute ace. When because at his age, this this was an important step. He was two years ago. He would have been completely lost. He would have been throwing the ball to the backstop. Right. He not only didn't do that. But against a pretty good team, he looked fabulous. This, this to me, was an enormous uh, a continued step for a guy who is going to be great this year and could be great for a long, long time. I think he's been untouched. So he's made four starts. He's been untouchable in three and a half of them. And, and the only one that you would— Start of Seattle, yeah. The first three innings of that Seattle game, and what did he last, like five or yeah. something? So he—and it was— the coldest game in the history of Target Field. It was 25 degree temperature and like maybe 15, 20 degree wind chill. So just sort of extreme circumstances. And they got to him in the fourth, fifth innings there. But if you take the rest of his starts here in April, he's he's right up there with the best pitchers in baseball. Uh-huh. He's got some of the best stuff in baseball. He's got three swing and miss pitches. 
They all come out of the same arm slot. He's one of the hardest working and uh, and diligent work ethic pitchers in the game. He's he's a smart guy. I mean, there's not there's no boxes that he doesn't check other than just experience and being able to put it all together. And which he's getting more and more of. He's doing it right now. Yeah, that was incredible last night. Uh, here's Paul Molitor. After uh, this is a clip, just him explaining why he pulled Barrios after seven innings, eighty-four pitches, and it was a big topic. You and I were following the game on on Twitter, and it was a pretty big topic. Just you know what, this is a scoreless game right now, and I actually don't I don't think it was a great decision. I'm not going to die on the hill because Paul Molitor's a I mean, he's generally I think a really good manager. Here's his explanation. My biggest concern was to try to get him through the first inning. You know, just all the the hype and expectation and. You know, he had a little bit of traffic there, but he made pitches to get off the field. And I, I met him at the dugout after the first inning, and I said, now we go. Yeah. And sure enough, he did. I, I, It was a tough decision there after seven innings. His pitches were still reasonable. But I just saw it, the combination of emotion, uh, you know, a, a hot night to pitch, and the fact that we we're in a home game situation. My bullpen was fresh, so we turned it over. It worked out in the long run. Yeah. So, But, but he did a heck of a job. Yeah. I think the reason it bothered me is because yeah, if it was if they had the lead and you knew the game was probably going to be over unless there was an implosion or something by a reliever, mm-hmm. it was zero to zero. So it was really hard to score runs. Obviously, and every fly ball except for once Encarnacion and Sano finally got into a couple pull shots to left. Uh, every fly ball died, you know, eight feet in front of the warning track. So the game was pretty clearly headed to extra innings. And if you could have squeezed another inning or two out of Barrios to then push Addison Reed back to the 10th or, you know, you just start going through your relievers early. And once you get to the 12th, 13th, 14th, now Zach Duke is on the yeah. mound in a spot where maybe but Addison Reed would be. at the time. Well, but the, game was, the game was going to extra innings. You know what, though? When, when you have on your schedule two games in seven days, I say to myself, uh, that's a tough one. In what way, though? Because you're trying to get your, your bullpen work. You, you want to get guys That's not a priority. The, the priority is winning the pitching. game, though, in that spot. Is this about results or process, though? Well, it's, The process it, is you're playing it, it can two, be both. two games in seven days. I'm just saying it's a tough decision. To me, Twitter broke out with a black and white, this is a mistake, I can't believe he did this. Mm-hmm. I am I am much more w- willing to go down the path of I get why, why people w- would be upset. And if I'm a Twins fan, I hate it because he's pitching a great game at home, essentially. So I get that completely. But from Paul's standpoint, I also get it. Uh, I mean, like, my... Technically, my point came to fruition when Encarnacion hit a home run off Trevor Hildenberger, who's been terrible this year, and he's probably last on your list of relievers next to the Rule 5 guy that you want to bring into a game, and you had to go to him and integrate to earlier because you pulled Barrios after 84 pitches. I'm not going to die on this. Right, like, it's I just a decision to make, yeah. Um, but it's like, there's a difference between, Paul Molitor kind of made it sound like it was high stress for Barrios. I think it was in the first inning. He retired 16 straight and was cruising for about an hour and a half mm-hmm. with only 84 mostly stress-free pitches. I think he said to himself, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how long this game is going to go. We haven't played since Thursday night, and I want my bullpen to get some work. But, and he didn't necessarily want to say that. But probably. don't you think if you're prioritizing getting your bullpen work in a 0-0 game against a team, you're going to need wins against? Those are like These games count for two because they're right it. ahead of you in the standings. I get it. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying the Twitter broke out with a very black-and-white and I think that there was a lot of gray in the decision you made. Sure, that's fair. That's enough. all I'm saying. Uh, the other thing, I can't believe we didn't really get into this much yesterday. 
Apparently, Francisco Lindor felt the need to apologize for that the first game from Tuesday night. Yep. He felt the need to apologize to the Twins, who said, oh, that wasn't necessary, which is good, for pimping a home run and going crazy, pumping his fist around the bases. Last night, he catches a line drive in a key spot. I think it was runner on third base situation. Rosario they, was on third base, yes. Where if that ball goes through, the game is over. In extra innings, yeah. And, uh, and he catches the line drive and then immediately takes the ball and fires it up into the top row of the stands just out of excitement that, hey, the game is going to continue. We have a chance to win, and I'm coming up in the next inning. And I, I hate the fact that, number one, he feels the need because of old-school baseball traditionalist guy, the, the, the need to apologize to the Twins. We need to get rid of that. And secondly, <laughs> why is it that he can show that much excitement in Puerto Rico which is kind of a safe ground for showing excitement and enthusiasm in baseball, much like it is in other countries. And he can pump his fist with a big home run. And he can throw a ball into the crowd after, like, you score a touchdown in the NFL, guys throw the ball into the crowd, it's fun, boom, big touchdown. And no one complains about it. But once you get back to the lower 48, if you're playing a game in St. Louis, or you're playing a game inside the sacred grounds of Fenway Park, you need to respect the game. And, like, no, let these guys have fun. And Lindor was only told that his home run celebration was okay because he was playing at home and excited. So if he had been, if he had been from uh, Miami and had gotten to Puerto Rico and done that, then it's no, 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 you can't. Which is so stupid. Because we're talking about a sport where when you shift to try and 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 basically continue to play the game competitively, which it's a major league sport, should be the goal. If you have the audacity to bunt, if the score is not exactly right, people get mad at you. It makes no sense. And, and, and but this, this all goes back to the point of if baseball wants young fans to be like, you know what, your sport's really long and it's boring at times, but there's a lot of cool things to it. We got to get past this. And I think this is an underrated factor for why baseball isn't cool or why baseball among young people is sort of an afterthought. You ever? I'm going to give you this. Stick with me on this dumb analogy, but you ever walk around in in some city, New Orleans, or like Dave was in New Orleans a few weeks ago, and you're looking for a spot to to jump into, right? You're looking for like you're looking to get a couple drinks and go to somewhere festive, right? And there's two bars next to each other, and one has like music and there's TVs and there's like people kind of swarming around, and it's unless you're looking to be antisocial, in which case, you know, okay. But like one place is kind of kind of bumping a little bit and oh, people are having fun in there, right? And the other place it's like the like that terminal bar in northeast where it's like looks like it might be closed, you're not sure, nothing's really happening, the lights are kind of dim and I don't know, like what place are you going to pick? I'm going to pick the place that looks like it's more fun, social proof. Oh, people are having fun there. I want to have fun. It looks like that's proof that this place is going to be fun. I'm going to stop in. Baseball if you, it's sometimes it's like, it's like you're watching sports in a library. Oh, you can't show emotion. Oh, very much. You yes, certainly yes. don't want to pump your fist with excitement and show up a pitcher. If, but if you tune in and you're on the fringe, oh, there's a game in Puerto Rico. People are talking about this. Wow, that's a big out, and Lindor is pumped up and throws the ball into the crowd. Like that's fun. It the, shouldn't. Like, don't take offense to that. The buzz that you felt from that game last night was really cool, and and it's completely different than you get in a game at uh, Bush Stadium. If I was baseball, I would have a marketing campaign mocking the unwritten rules. Yes. I would I I would start out by have, having some type of marketing campaign and I would tell the players and coaches and everybody, "Gentlemen, we've got to get past this." And I would mock it and say, "This is how we are going to appeal to younger fans." And this and is, this is how we baseball. 
that's actually an attempt at it. But I mean, let's just come out and say, look, you know, let's come out and say what unwritten rules? Question mark and show a player celebrating, crumpling up like a piece. Sadly, of Sadly, show with a player bunting. Oh my yeah. god, he bunted with a seven-run lead. Yeah, but but people with baseball have to get past this. It's just it's the it's it's sillier than hockey's unwritten rules. Make baseball fun again. And Francisco Lindor is doing that. And Puerto Rico did that. Let's take that and actually, be okay with it in the in the 48 states that we play baseball. Actually, it would be in some ways making baseball fun for the first time as young fans know it. That's true. They don't know fun when it comes to baseball. As young fans know it, yes. I mean like the 90s were awesome for different reasons, but but like there's a lot of if you're born in the 90s and there are there are college graduates who were born in the mid-90s now that you're trying to hook into your sport. Can you imagine? Let's make it more fun. Can you imagine a Jets player dur- during the midst of this playoff series going to the wild locker room and apologizing for a goal celebration? Sorry, I crashed I, up against the glass there I was, after I scored the goal. And I was my really fist pumped little, up, yeah. and I, I, I threw my glove yeah. against the board. I'd like to really apologize for that. Hey, guys, it's uh, it's Chris Paul. You know, I when, I when I had that clutch and one in the fourth quarter, and I screamed up to the top of the arena and pumped my chest there, I'm sorry. Shouldn't I didn't done mean it. to offend you. Doogie with a scoop when we come back. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On 1500 ESPN. All right, much to get to here with our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News, KSTP. Uh, let's uh, let's dive in. The Scoop Podcast, which you can find long-form interviews, great stuff, inside information in longer form than the one segment a week he's on with us. You can find that anywhere you would generally find podcasts, KSTP.com, 1500ESPN.com. Hello, Doogie. Good morning, gentlemen. I just got done from being in the podcast studio recording a conversation with new Xavier basketball lead assistant, former Gophers basketball assistant, Ben Johnson. Did he light the Gophers up or did no, he, was he diplomatic? No, 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 he's very complimentary. Big but loss, I mean, you said, though, right? I think it's a big loss. Yeah, I do. I yeah. really do. I think it's a big loss with, with all his recruiting mm-hmm. inroads, especially here in the Metro. I mean, I'm convinced they don't get a mere coffee, for example, to go specific. They don't get a mere coffee without the presence of Ben Johnson. Now, yeah. when you look at the three local guys they're bringing in for next season, Daniel Oturu would be the face of the recruiting class, Creighton Darham Hall, big man. I think he had an interest in staying home regardless of who the head coach is, but certainly Ben Johnson has a good relationship with Oturu, with Gabe Kausher, De La Salle High School. You think about Ben being a former player at De La Salle High School, Jarvis Amersa from Orono High School. So I'm not saying that Patino couldn't get those guys on his own, but Ben had a lot to do with those three guys signing with the Gophers, yeah. then certainly Amir Coffey choosing the Gophers. So let's uh, let's start here. We'll go Wolves. We, let, it's, there's a good chance that Wolves and Wild are going to be done playing by the time we uh, get to the end of next week here. So let's start with the Wolves. I mean, Judd and I and, and Chip just did a full hour basically on the the Rockets are such a perfectly modern, optimal, strategic team with great puzzle pieces, and the Wolves are just they're just stepping on each other's toes, and it's just it's kind of a clunky. If they get swept the way that it looks like they're going to get swept, will there be fallout? What will what will the main changes be? What do you anticipate? Because they can't just go back to the same exact thing that they brought into the season, right? So will there be fallout in your mind? I agree that they can't just go back to status quo. I mean, even if they win a game, I mean, I think it's possible maybe they win this weekend. Maybe the series ends next Wednesday, not next Monday. But yeah, I mean, the end is very, very near. Maybe they win a game, but otherwise they get swept. 
Last night was an embarrassment, especially that second half. I mean, and, and, that was and that was a train wreck. Towns was, it just was. Towns was an embarrassment too. I mean, let's be. I love Towns. I'm buying Towns stock long term. Towns deserves to be ripped for these first two games. Sure, but you know what? I'll still take this playoff experience because of that. Yep. Now he knows, right? I mean, Charles Barkley was hard on him, saying Carl Anthony Towns needs to spend a ton of time in the gym this summer. So I'll take being swept over having the, I guess what the 14th pick. Absolutely. In a good draft, by the way, a great draft. The Wolves did win a coin flipper. They did something to to break the tie the other day. So they actually have the 20th pick in the draft. They could have gone as low as 23. So they have picked 20 from the Rubio trade. So I didn't need, personally, the 14th pick and the 20th pick. Give me the playoff experience, then the 20th pick. So I'm okay with that. As far as potential fallout, I'll tell you this much. Somebody with, how do I term this? Somebody with. Careful, Bleacher Report is always listening. I know, I know. Derek James, please don't tweet this. Just say it. Come on. (laughs) Somebody with a strong vested interest sought me out. This wasn't me seeking them out. Reached out to me to say, hey, have you heard of any potential of one Scott Layden being in trouble? Then also the potential of Tom Thibodeau being stripped of the president of operations title. That could there be some sort of fallout? Yes, you jumped from 31 to 47 wins, but hey, being the eighth best team out of 15 I'm tweeting is that not right now. that big of an accomplishment. At Bleacher Report. By no means am I reporting this, but the point of this segment, the scoop, what am I hearing? This was somebody that reached out to me just to say, hey, have you heard? Now, I've reached out to a number of people. Everybody I've reached out to has told me no. They have not heard that. But I can tell you, Glenn Taylor is well aware of how upset a majority of the fan base is. I don't think it's the entire fan base. I'm sorry. I just don't think Twitter represents the entire fan base. I think there are a lot of fans that are happy. There are things to celebrate this season. I mean, they went to the playoffs. So so. would that, okay, let's go down that path and say that the Wolves move in that direction. Would... Tibbs even accept that, or are you talking about a complete divorce at that point? Because I think if you come back to him and say, we're going to strip you of your executive title and, and you're just going to coach, which, by the way, now means that you're going to have to work for somebody, there's a good chance that that dissolves the relationship completely. It could, although now with his new track record, does he get a job, snap of the fingers? If you are the Memphis Grizzlies, although I think my buddy JB is going to get that job full-time, but if you're the... Memphis Grizzlies, for example, because technically right now they have a head coach opening. If you're the Phoenix Suns, if you're any number of franchises that have an opening, the Atlanta Hawks might have an opening here very, very quick because their coach may end up with Phoenix in a in a transaction. So if you're one of these teams, are you hiring Tom Thibodeau? I mean, it, I don't see it. I'm sorry. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But, you know, he... I can also see him though saying that I was hired to run this entire thing and you're you're stripping me of that and not necessarily giving it enough thought to think I can't get a secondary or Well another yeah, I mean job. he might bet on and, himself, but remember, the, he was not seeking out. And the that buyout's title. gonna be really good if he does end up having to walk away. Sure. So yeah, he may in the end, if it got to that point, and I'm not convinced it even gets to that point. If I had sure. to bet right now Tom Thibodeau is here in some form in October. But I do think he would bet on himself. Mm-hmm. and say bleep you, but also he did not pursue that title. People don't remember that. I mean, just two years ago, but he did not pursue the title of president of operations. He was very open-minded to just being a head coach. Yeah. But then the Wolves offer the title. 
How do you say no? Also a reminder, the Wolves, well, really Tibbs, first choice for general manager was Mike Zarin, the Celtics assistant GM. But he's a Boston guy. He wasn't coming here. Now, you know, Layden and Tibbs have a good relationship. I just wonder if there's anybody in that front office that can offer Tibbs strong resistance. I'm sure they have constructive conversations about, okay, why did we do this? Why didn't we offer J.J. Redick four years? Should we have done this instead of that? Hey, Gerald Green was here in September for a free agent workout. Look at what he's doing now. Think about his ability to space the floor. Now, Jamal Crawford is my guy, but guess what? Jamal needs the ball in his hands. You don't think a floor spacer would work well with Jimmy Butler, Jimmy penetrating, and finding a guy like Gerald Green who can just spot up and That's make three-pointers? So I'm just saying, yeah. I think there are people that bring up those points in the front office to Tibbs. But does anybody really challenge Tibbs? That's the thing. I mean, like, and we let's get to some other topics here, but the Rockets add Gerald Green, just a complete complimentary, know-your-role, stand-in-the-corner player at this point, but it fits perfectly because they don't need another ball-dominant guy. The Wolves bring in Derrick Rose. Like, go... Gerald Green would have been a better fit for this Wolves team than Derrick Rose. He wanted to come here, Phil. I mean, he did. I mean, after the Bucks let him go, he signed with the Bucks early in the season. They let him go. He was just sitting there. Trust me. There were conversations, more his camp initiating those conversations, saying, yeah. hey, Minnesota, you have an open roster spot. Do you want Gerald? And it never got to that point. Amazing. I still think we can go at Tibbs all we want. I still think the roster needs all sorts of work. Now, they are hamstrung. They'll have the mid-level exception to sign a decent free agent, but... For the most part, they are handcuffed. Unless they can swing a trade like Borgie's contract or something. I bring up my buddy JB. He was on the podcast last week. You know, you think about JB was the interim coach of the Rockets just two years ago. This time two years ago. They were the eighth seed. They got beat by the Warriors. Since that sweep, the Rockets have only three guys remaining on their roster. James Harden, Clint Capella, and Trevor Ariza. Daryl Morey is a genius. Yeah, He stripped that thing down rebuilt it. I'm telling you, the Wolves roster needs all sorts of work. One other tentacle, Woj brought this up on SportsCenter last week, that the Wolves had all sorts of interest in Monty Williams, in addition to Tibbs. Maybe Tibbs was choice 1B, that Monty Williams might have been choice 1A, or maybe Tibbs was 1A, Monty was 1B. The issue with Monty was, just a couple months prior, he lost his wife. His wife died tragically. He wasn't in a position to take a head coaching job. Monty Williams is ready to be a head coach again. Hmm. Would you revisit that idea? You loved him two years ago. Yes. I mean, I love Fizdale. Mm -hmm. I love some other guys. But if I had to hire one coach today of the guys that are available, Monty Williams would be my hire. He's sitting there. Would Glenn Taylor revisit that possibility? Wild scoopage, sir, since there's a fighting chance that they're going to play game five against the Jets on Friday night and then uh, be done for the season. Yes, so that means whether it's Sunday, I don't think it'll be Saturday, but whether it's Sunday, Monday, maybe as late as Tuesday, general manager Chuck Fletcher will sit down with owner Craig Leopold and attempt to sell Craig on why he should remain the general manager. Chuck Fletcher's contract is expiring here in a couple weeks. If you're Chuck, you will argue that, hey, Zach Parisi gets hurt mid-series. We didn't have Ryan Suter. Look at Jason Zucker's regular season. I mean, he'll cite all the things that you would think of. I can just tell you, though, in that locker room, there are multiple guys that think it's time for a change. When you look at the roster last year to this year, you know, you lose Eric Hala, You lose Alex Tuck. Now you're going to lose somebody to Vegas, but you end up losing Eric Hala in addition to Alex Tuck. To keep Dumba, yeah. You lose Scandella. You bring in Marcus Foligno, who was overpaid. That was a terrible trade. You bring in Ennis 
who needs to be bought out. I don't see Tyler Ennis on this team next year, so he's a buyout candidate. Mm-hmm. So you made the roster worse mm-hmm. this year. Now, mm-hmm. kudos to Zucker, others, maybe getting better this year. But I'm just telling you, there's a feeling in that locker room from multiple guys that the roster was made worse this year by Chuck Fletcher. So I'm just telling you, there are people in that organization that really believe it is time for a change. Interesting. Uh, NFL draft is coming up very quickly here in just a week. So what are what? Any Viking steam? Any steam on like Frank Ragnow has some first round draft steam right now, Minnesota kids. What are you hearing about uh, the NFL draft? Sure, I'll go former then latter on the Vikings. I continue to hear that they want to move backwards now. Whether that's from thirty, whether that's just moving back second round, you know, into the third or maybe using that third-round pick to move back. But they want to grab a couple extra picks. But I think they're very open-minded. Now, it takes two to tango. But if somebody wants to move up, for example, Mason Rudolph, the quarterback from Oklahoma State, the Vikings would gladly move from 30 to 36 to 39. There's enough depth when it comes to the interior of the offensive line that they know they'll get one of those guys or a tackle because Mike Remmers can always move inside. And they don't even have to go offensive line with that first pick. They could go defensive back. They could go a couple different directions. But certainly they'll grab an offensive lineman Mm -hmm. pretty darn high, maybe even with their first pick. But again, it takes two to tango. So the Vikings are open-minded to trading, but you need the the right situation to fall. If Rudolph goes pick 27, if the LSU running back, for example, one of these skill guys, isn't there at 30, well, then it looks like the Vikings will have to stay at 30. But I'm just telling you, they're very open-minded to moving back. On Ragnow. I am told he is working out privately today for Bill Belichick. He is separately working out privately for Dan Quinn. Mm -hmm. So the Patriots and the Falcons, plus front office members, will be in attendance as well. Yeah, our our good friend Tom Pelissero tweeted out, what, yesterday or the day before, that that there's a lot of steam that Frank Ragnow will go in the first round. Yeah. I mean, he might. I mean, you know, he could go as high as the Bengals pick. The Panthers have done a ton of homework on Ragnow. I think the Panthers have done as much homework on Ragnow as just about anyone. He visited Buffalo. He visited here. I know the Packers have done a lot of homework on Ragnow. So, yeah, there's a lot of good steam on the former Chanhassen High School star. But, yeah, whether he goes pick 21 or pick 37, so he's a second-round pick, he will start for many, many years in the league. And then uh, last minute here, uh, go for anything Gophers is related, Gopher basketball, football, recruiting, what do you got for us? Well, on Gophers football, you know, you think about some of their NFL prospects. Uh, Steven Richardson had a private workout late last week with the Chicago Bears. The Steelers are showing some interest in Richardson. The Seahawks, the 49ers. I don't think he gets drafted, Mm -hmm. but I think he'll be a priority free agent after the draft. Ryan Santoso, former Gophers punter, has worked out for nine different teams, including the Lions, the Ravens, the Titans. Now, he's not going to get drafted, but he will be a priority. He was a kicker originally, right? Yes, originally a kicker. He's got a heck of a leg. So, yeah, yeah, I think he'll he'll be a punter. Yeah, or maybe a kickoff guy. But he's got a chance. Maybe it's practice squad, whatever. But Ryan Santoso has a chance to to play in the NFL. On basketball recruiting, I was over at De La Salle High School yesterday catching up with Tyrell Terry, De La Salle junior point guard. Richard Patino was in the gym along with new assistant Rob Jeter on Tuesday along with Iowa State watching him work out, plus Gabe Kausher workout. Gabe helped work out Terry. And then later on on Tuesday, Patino had Terry call him over the phone. Patino made him a scholarship offer. So Tyrell Terry has a Gophers offer. He's up to nine offers. I'll tell you this much. It's still relatively early, although he'll make his mind up summertime. I mean, we're just a few months away from Terry making his his final decision. I'll tell you this much. Right now, my impression is that Stanford will be a tough beat. You think about Zeke Naji at Hopkins High School, who the Gophers want, junior. 
I think the Badgers will be a tough beat. You think about Matthew Hurt, Rochester John Marshall yeah. High School. He's had Penny Hardaway in town this week, the new Memphis coach. Wow. Steve Alford was in town this week. Penny Hardaway, that's amazing. Yeah, the UCLA coach. Man. Patino spent some time with Hurt. I mean, at this point, you have to bet that that Matthew Hurt doesn't end up with the Gophers. So you look at the three best players in the Metro slash state in the class of 2019, Matthew Hurt, Tyrell Terry, Zeke Naji. If I had to bet right now, it can change. It's fluid. But if I had to bet right now, I'm not quite sure the Gophers get any of those guys. Right on. Doogie with his weekly scoop session with us. Find more of that in long form and in great long form interviews with the headliner guest. The Scoop Podcast available 1500ESPN.com, KSTP.com, and uh, anywhere you would generally download podcasts. We'll see you, Doogie. Good stuff, man. Take it easy. Have a good one. All right, Dave, what's next in stuff? Maybe a little Twitter outrage. A big super fan returned to the rink. And Snoop back with some hockey knowledge for the people. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Yeah, screw those guys. I don't even like them. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by your neighborhood Ace. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's also the place for national brands like Scott's and miracle Grow, and local expertise to help you grow the lawn and garden you've always wanted. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Mackey and Judd Show, give me a go-no-go for Stuff You Should Know About. Hosts, go. Producer, we're go. Technical, go. Music, go. Volume, go. The actual stuff, we are go. Control, we are a go. You are clear to launch stuff you should know about. We are go for launch. All right, Dave Harrigan, tell me about the Twitter outrage that you teased. Is that what you want first, I'm Judd? V- I am very curious. I always love Twitter outrage. We got the really devastating news. The Spurs announced that Aaron, Coach Popovich's wife, officially passed away. I know you're close with Pop. Any words or thoughts you'd like to share with him? Uh, I mean, I'm a, obviously I'm a huge Pop fan. Uh, I love Pop. Um, that's, a, that's such a tragedy, and um, you know, my best wishes goes out to to, to Pop and his family. Uh, I know that's that's devastating news, and um, holy um, Allie LaForce, how dare she blindside LeBron? Yeah, uh, except she didn't. She didn't. He was prepped. Mm-hmm. We've all explained. Yeah, but. Still, no. I, okay. Well, fine. No. He was prepped, but that's just for ratings. No, ah, they just want content. No, more sensationalistic. No journalism. In fact, I, I'm going to give the award for yeah. fake outrage last night to Michael Grange from, I believe, uh, Rogers Sportsnet in Toronto. Okay, sure. Like, like fifty or sixty thousand Twitter followers. So when you tweet mm-hmm. something out to that many people, like it's gonna. You know, people are going to play off you and still in shock that TNT reporter, likely prompted by a producer, informed LeBron about Aaron Popovich's passing on live TV. Real life is not a reality show. My kids cringed. Any adult should know better. Let him learn about it in private and respond when and if he chooses. Shameful. Shameful. Oh, yeah, it's just terrible. No, in fact, if terrible. you want, and people are saying, well, I mean, LeBron looked shocked on TV. Okay, if you watch it, I get the run radio here, but if you go watch the clip, she whispers something. There's an interaction beforehand, and he went on, he did a selfie video explaining, like, she prepped me for it. Like, people need to shut up. <laughs> so she did the exact thing that she should have done, and she's one of the best. That's a tough job, and I think in some cases, it's a job that should be like, Minimalized. I don't need the third quarter interview with 
Greg Popovich, but she does a great job at all those things. And uh, if you look at his face when she's asking the question, which he clearly already knew that was coming, like he kind of took a deep breath and tilted his head a little bit. And I mean, it wasn't like people are saying, well, it looked like he was just hearing about it for the first time. I mean, well, he was just collecting his thoughts. He still processed it, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. It looked like I love it, us. but you don't know. So shut up. Right. Yes. And don't use words like shameful and shock. <laughs> Speaking of Pop and the uh, the in-game interviews he has, apparently uh, his late wife, uh, Aaron, did not appreciate the way he treated reporters like Craig Sager, who I think is uh, most uh, most famous for doing those interviews. Uh, Pop was on uh, with Levitard years ago, five, six years ago, and was talking about it. He said, I know I'm a jerk. I'm going to go ahead and admit it publicly to the whole world. Tell me what to do. What should I do? I don't know how to answer, so sue me for being stupid and not having the answers to the questions. It ever entertains everybody but my wife. When I get home, she says, geez, why are you so mean? You're a jerk. People hate you. I go, I'm sorry, honey. I've got to do better the next time. No exaggeration. Did you see that guy, honey? Did you see him? All I have to do is see him. And uh, know why I answered the way I did, referring to, I think, Sager and his suits. Yep. She says, that's no excuse. You're a grown man. Show some maturity. I said, I can't. Can't do it. Man. Like, he... he d- every, It's like every question that's ever asked of him is the dumbest question ever. That's the one... I do love Popovich, but there are some smart reporters who are asking legit smart questions, and he still absolutely takes every chance to just, you know, pound them into the ground. If um, if he rips them in post-game press conferences, that's that's weird, awkward at times. But you know what? As long as we're going to insist in TV contracts on after the second quarter... Coach Tibbs, what do you think? That's the stupidest thing. So have fun with it. I don't care what you say. And if if you melt down or act like a jerk, it's funnier then. Because this whole notion of talking to coaches in games is just silly. You're never going to get anything from them. And it's funnier if it becomes a spectacle in that case. A lot of pro teams have that one super fan with the Wolves. It used to be bang the program guy, you know, fireman Ed with the Jets. You know who I'm talking about, that mm-hmm. one guy that sticks out. Who would you say it is for the New Jersey Devils? Is it uh, Putty? I painted my face. You painted your face? Yeah. Why? Well, you know, support the team. <laughs> oh, hey, you got to let them know you're out there. This is the playoffs. David Putty. Yes. Yeah. Guess who showed up last night? No. Patrick Warburton, <laughs> a.k.a. David Putty, full face paint. He even had a big old D painted on his chest after he took off the uh, the Devils sweater. Pumping up the crowd before the game. Unfortunately, the Devils lost 3-1 to the uh, Lightning. That's oh, okay. That's still it's, great. Still, it's still amazing. Yeah, It's it, outstanding. It's <laughs> you want to learn some more about hockey from the guy who knows it all? Okay. Last week, it was Snoop on the Stanley Cup and the history of the Cup and how people think about the cup. Today, it's simply hockey jargon. Get out your dictionaries because today, the professor of pucks, Dog Cherry, AKA the greater one. Dog Cherry? He's teaching you hockey words at Hockey 101, the Hockey Slam Edition. And Apple is an assist, like your man Claude Giroux. He has mad apples. A biscuit is the puck. All these fool words, I'm getting hungry talking about all this hockey stuff. Somebody bring me something to eat a Danish or something. A celly 
is a hockey celebration after a big goal. Look, he's ice dancing. Chicklets are teeth. This guy does not have many chicklets. He needs to get himself a dentist. A clapper is a slap shot. Not the thing you use to turn the lights on and off. Oh, that's the slap shot. Slapper, clapper. I call it a schlesnapper, you know what I'm The five hole is the space between the goalie's legs. Going five hole sounds dirty, but it just means scoring in the most humiliating way possible. Lip lettuce is a mustache, also known as lip sweater or muzzy. Pipes are the goalposts. I'll use it in a sentence. That guy hit the pipe. Well, stoned is <laughs> when a goalie makes a great save. What did you think I meant? That's amazing. Well, how how many editions uh, of this are there from Snoop? Uh, this is just number two, but okay. they are going to be rolling them out throughout the playoffs. Which platform produces these? Uh, it's just through NHL.com. It's it's their uh, YouTube channel. All right. <gasps> Batman said we got to have the Snoop. best thing Judge League has done in 10 years. Oh, it might be a little late, but yeah. The Indians are brutal. I got a tweet yesterday from a fella named John. He says, how many retweets for a Corey Kluber jersey? People do that all the time. They get challenged for 1,000 or 10,000, whatever it is. But the Indians went a different way about it. They say, hey, John, kind of a tough task. Not sure if you'll be able to do it. But how about no more than zero retweets in a 24-hour period? Deal. John says, you have a gentleman agreement. He tweets tweets it out and says, please help me out, Twitter Twitter folks, and maybe don't retweet this. Guess who retweeted them or t- retweeted that tweet immediately? An Indians player. The Cleveland Indians wow. Twitter account. Wow. <laughs> nice work. Wow. Nice job. So much That's for that. Very well done. Winning <gasps> dreams. Ridiculous. Uh, Roy Smalley will join us to talk twins, Indians, and other twins things in about 45 minutes. Uh, Matthew Collar. In fact, Collar's going to help us with this in the noon hour. Dave has mocked the Vikings schedule, which will come out officially tonight, right? 7 o'clock? Yes, 7 o'clock tonight. Two-hour special, and I'm not joking. Dave has taken his own stab at the Vikings schedule, and we're going to get to that later And it's very precise, by the way. We're not just talking the weeks and games. It's a difficult schedule up front. An 0-4 start is very possible. Let's just Coaching change October 1st is the way I see it. It it could easily happen, yes. Um, You have to speak on behalf of Prime Mortgage Lending here, Judd Zolgad. Well, thank you, Phil Mackey, for telling me that. We're going to come back, and uh, we have more mocks to get to as well, more on the Wolves and uh, their 0-2 embarrassing hole, but here's Judd. Yes, and I do want to talk to you. If you are looking for a mortgage company, I want to uh, suggest my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough, and I want to tell you why. Because this isn't an ad about simply selling you on something. This is a company in Prime that wants to earn your trust. In fact... They would rather earn your trust than sell you that loan. Yes, I said that correct. They would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. That means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, they want to meet with you first. They want to sit down. They want to explain their plan. And then after that, the decision's up to you. That's because this is about two very important things. Teamwork and collaboration. It's what Prime's all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on the folks at Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. Also, it's purchase season that is upon us, and Kent and his team at Prime are ready to get you pre-qualified for a purchase loan today. Your offer is taken much more seriously, folks, by sellers when you are able to show that you are credit worthy. So keep that in mind. All you have to do is go to Prime's website right now. It's goldprimewithkent.com. Goldprimewithkent.com. 
Once again, it's Go Prime with Kent, K-E-N-T dot com. More Mackie and Judd after this. Phil Mackie. The thing about Phil is he's he's so temptable. He likes to go the thrill route. That's what makes Phil exciting. Judd Zolgad. Judd, have you wandered away from the house again? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Want to run a race but not actually train for it? Here's the race for you. It's the Medtronic TC One Mile. Thursday, May 10th, runners of all skill levels. We'll run along the riverfront downtown Minneapolis for this fast and fun race, which ends with a post-race party complete with food trucks, cash bar, and live DJ. Head to 1500ESPN.com keyword events for all the details. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Oh, this is a new one. This is a new one that Dave found yesterday. On NFLmocks.com. All right. NFL Mocks, yes, there is an NFLmocks.com. I hope there is. If you're looking for... If there wasn't, there should have been for a long time. I mean, if you're looking to dim the lights, turn on some Sam Spence 1970s NFL films music, maybe pour yourself a big glass of bourbon, you and you want to mock through the night, NFLmocks.com. Are you suggesting draft porn here? Is that what you're suggesting? Oh, yeah. Because we're only a week away, so... And this one in particular is... It's just entitled the 2018 NFL Mock Draft by Dylan Huberman, which he calls Hubermock 1.0. The Hubermock! <laughs> Mackie Mock 1.0. Zulmock. Oh, no. Hubermock is that is that is really well named. I can't wait to hear this one. Uh, Hubermock starts by saying it's almost here, ladies and gentlemen. Only two weeks remain before teams are on the clock and the spotlight shifts to AT&T Stadium in Dallas for the 2018 NFL Draft. That means a mock draft right now. I'm not going to. It's one of those like click through all the picks things. So I'm just going to click right ahead to number 30 where the Vikings are. All right. And with the number 30 pick in the first round, according to Hubermock 1.0, the Minnesota Vikings select the most offensive lineman, offensive liney name in offensive lineman history, a tackle from Notre Dame, Mike McGlinchey. I want a mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mike McGlinchey, Minnesota, according to Hubermock 1.0, literally has everything they could possibly want at all of their skill positions. Kirk Cousins will run an offense featuring a backfield of Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, two top-tier receivers in Diggs and Thielen with Kyle Rudolph remaining one of the league's best tight end options. However, the only thing Minnesota's front office needs to do is give that offense some time to operate. Grabbing Mike McGlinchey is certainly one step down that path. Mike McGlinchey. Whoops. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. I, I would Dave, love Mike McGlinchey on this team. Didn't Dave, uh, didn't you do a mock draft about three weeks ago that had them taking the, the same guy? Because at the time I said, that is a great football name. That That's sounds a great familiar. I'm name. sure we've gone through one, yeah. Mike McGlinchey is the perfect That's, name. It's no Billy Price, but. Why is that? Because oh, the price is right, Judd. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dave. I want to mock. Mock. That's the type of breakdown you get. Did you know that Spielman showed up to uh, Ohio State Pro Day to chat with uh, no, Billy Price? Didn't know that. No idea. Yeah, he had a notebook with him. He was taking on all his quotes. Do you know why? Mm. No. The Wolves wanted a Price quote. I want a mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. 
on the way home, Spielman couldn't stop talking about him. Zim and all the other guys, they were just like, God, just stop it. Knock it off. Just find something else to discuss. You know what Spielman said? Uh-uh. Got a price on my head. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing at these. <laughs> Judd just wants the segment to be no, over. No, no, no. It's fu- no, no. It's so bad. It's funny. Dave has crossed a threshold. He's gotten there now with all his work, all the nights spent lying in bed thinking up these lines. His baby girl cries. It's very good. Wow, that's terrible. I well, mean, partly true. Yeah, I was going to say, what's wrong about it? No, I don't want the segment to end. I enjoyed it. Uh, you found this before the show. I, I had not. I had not heard this or seen this, but apparently Zach Lowe, who's very plugged in, is he still with ESPN.com or did he move on somewhere else? Whatever. He has I a podcast know. and yep. Zach Lowe is an NBA, uh, kind of an insider analyst type. And he had some interesting things to say about Carl Anthony Towns' usage and the conflict inside the Wolves organization. Let's do that when we come back here. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios.